Hi, this is the Reverend Andrew Christensen. You're listening to Doth Protest Too Much. We are a Christ-centered, reformationally-minded podcast that explores the history and theology of the Christian Church. This podcast originally started as a forum for discussing the developmental history of Christian thought, what is often called historical theology. And it has since grown into an ecumenical team of hosts, myself, Stephen Burnett, Pastor Charlie Beeman, and the Reverend James Rickenbaker. We're all interested in the past, present, and future of the church. We share a commitment to the central place that grace has in the message of the good news, a message we feel often gets lost in our day and age, sometimes in religion itself. A message that is of God's goodwill toward us is echoed in the following words from St. Paul. This is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the chief one. I pray that the discussions in our episodes, whether casual or scholarly, can speak to how the story and witness of Christians from our past can comfort and strengthen us for today. God bless. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Doth Protest Too Much, Keeping the Reformation Alive. Uh, if you are listening to us on Apple or whatever, wherever, however you stream us, uh, please feel free to go in and give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And um, I'm here with all four hosts uh, for the first time in a while. I guess the last time all four of us were here were the hymns episode, and that's what this episode is, a continuation of our hymns series where we go through our favorite hymns, and we'll each be offering another one up today. Uh, and we'll kind of go around and see how everyone uh, is doing. So uh, why don't we start with you, Charlie? Well, I'm doing all right. Um, recovering from all the Christmas stuff. Um, I'm in a break uh, at ILT right now, uh, no class, and that's very, very nice, but I'm excited about my class that's starting in a couple of weeks, uh, which is in hermeneutics, um, which is one of my favorite topics. Um, but uh, just trying to transition out of Christmas mode and into, you know, just the ordinary uh, life of the church now. Uh, without all of the extra craziness yeah it's um it's nice to be to have christmas over um the season over as much as i love it uh it's not meant to be all the time yeah uh wait and who teaches that the ilt class you're about to start it's uh it's with dr mattis oh good who's been on this podcast Mark, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I've never gotten to study with him before, and he's probably one of the best uh, Luther scholars in the world right now. Yeah, for sure. James also did a class with Mark Mattis. I did, and he is delightful. Mm -hmm. And uh, him and Stephen had him on the show. Um, and uh, speaking, I guess we'll go right to James because you're in a class too right now. You're actually in a hotel room. I am. I'm up in Ambridge, Pennsylvania at Trinity School for Ministry, and I'm taking a class with Dr. Joel Scandrett on um, the theology of Middle Earth. Nice. So what? Yeah, it's um, it's it's been really, really fascinating and, and interesting so far. Um, Any takeaways? This is day one, right? Yeah, this is day one. So uh, takeaways. Tolkien was very Roman Catholic. Um, so he and I would disagree about some important points, hmm. but, um, 
maybe once the class is over, I can give a better analysis. Yeah, yeah. When, when you're on again, we'll... Uh... That would be a great episode. Uh, I'm reading the Silmarillion right now, and uh, it is nice. it's awesome. So, love your thoughts. Very esoteric, but in, in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what about you, Stephen? What's going on? Yeah, nothing. I mean, the uh, the impending doom of my wife uh, and and my personal freedom uh, is coming in the form of a child uh, in a couple that's of months. That's the first so on the weird. podcast that your listeners would have heard that you are expecting. Oh yeah, so, yeah. So um, we are. We congratulations. Are, uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we are. We're expecting. Uh, April 10th is the due date, a little man. And so uh, he's he's a big boy right now. He's chunky. Uh, he's He was in the 98th percentile on size, but he's we, we got him on a diet. And now he's down to the 90th percentile on size. And so my wife is like, happy he's he's big, but we're not, we'd like him to be kind of average out there towards the end, you know? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. But we're very excited about all that and getting the house ready and all the all the stuff that goes along with, with, uh, with that exciting time i mean i imagine mm-hmm. i couldn't even imagine i'd be so nervous but, but there's so many other good feelings i'm sure adjacent to the nervousness that just makes it so exciting uh so uh yeah it's it, the anticipation is like it's more like <laughs> yeah more like what yeah now to say the anticipation like it's almost like i don't even i just want it to happen i don't even know if i don't know if it's going to be like crazy or whatever i'm just i'm ready for it to be here so we can deal with it instead of imagining it you know (laughs) and um yeah i'm the only like all three of you uh have kids and i'm behind i need to get with the program here you know so um okay so we're doing our hymns uh continuing our hymns and who wants to start with theirs i can uh i can kick it off all right, and why don't we just go in the same order we did? Um, I guess I didn't do a. a I'll, I'll catch up on my life when I get to my hymn. Um, so we'll go. Not that our listeners can see this screen, but clockwise. So Charlie, James, Stephen, and then me. I'll go. I'll go last. Okay, so um, my hymn is uh, "Father Most Holy." Uh, it's a rather ancient hymn. Uh, we don't know who actually wrote the text, but it's sometimes attributed to Gregory the Great. Um, So do you have the tune for us to listen to? We'll go ahead and play it. As usual, I wasn't able to hear it, but um, <laughs> you will hear that, it. That's okay. Um, <laughs> For our listeners, uh, what you the uh, tune so you the reason heard, that I <laughs> so I was just saying for our listeners the beautiful tune you just heard. Uh, we did not just hear, but you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> so so well, uh, the reason I love this hymn is really uh, well, two reasons. Um, one is. It's just a wonderful text, uh, but also when I was in seminary, um, I had a professor, uh, William Weinrich, who uh, for each class he taught, he would choose one hymn that he would have us memorize. And on the final, we actually had to write out the text of whichever hymn it was that he had chosen. And this was uh, the, the hymn that he chose for a class called God and Creation, which was a systematic theology class in which we studied the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of creation. And uh, this was the hymn. Um, another class I took with him, the hymn was Savior of the Nations Come. And uh, that was a class that everybody at seminary had to, had to take. And so 
in the fall of the year, usually about a month before Advent, you would hear all these first year seminarians um, walking around campus singing Savior of the Nations come so that they could get all seven stanzas memorized. Um, wasn't quite that hard with uh, this one, it's a shorter hymn. Um, but the reason that I, that I like it is because it confesses the doctrine of the Trinity uh, so clearly. And, you know, that's a hard thing to do. Usually, you know, trying to talk about the doctrine of the Trinity is at best dangerous because if you say too much, you'll say something that is wrong. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, I've always said to people, if you try to start talking about the Trinity for longer than, I forget the length of time, whatever I You'll, you may start veering into what can be considered heresy. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's obviously it's a mystery for a reason. We, we, we can't rationalize it completely, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a good and rare thing when uh, a, te a text to a t tune or, or something can really, or a theological statement can really capture the essence. But Right. And, uh, and I mean, as much as, uh, as much as a hymn can capture you know, the essence of the doctrine of the Trinity, I think this one does. So I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the first stanza. Um, and uh, I'm, I, it's a short hymn, so I'm probably just gonna read the whole thing and talk about it bit by bit, because I think I can do that in just a few minutes. Um, it's one of those hymns that you can go through it very quickly, but then think about it for a long time. So we'll do the quickly part and the listeners can do the long time part. Um, Father most holy, merciful and tender, Jesus our Savior with the Father reigning, spirit of comfort, advocate, defender, light never waning. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's really basic. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't try to delve into all of the, you know, hypostatic relationships between the persons of the Trinity but simply confess what the scriptures say about, about each person. The Father is holy, merciful, tender. Jesus is our Savior. He reigns with the Father. Uh, the Spirit is a spirit of comfort, and he's our advocate and our defender. And, uh, um, and the Trinity itself is a light which never wanes. Um, and and uh, I think... Uh, when when you use the when you hear the light imagery in the scriptures, it's really sometimes kind of hard to keep yourself from falling into a trap where you talk about light as we would normally talk about it as created light, um, but a light never waning is clearly not an ordinary uh, created light, and so I, I like that the way that that captures that. Um, then the the second stanza, uh, Trinity blessed, unity unshaken. Um, this translation I have is a little different than the one I know. It says, deity perfect, giving and forgiving, light of the angels, life of the forsaken, um, hope of all living. Um, and uh, uh, the line here that really always hits me between the eyes is a uh, life of the forsaken. Um, I love the way that it, it it connects God to those who feel least connected to God. Um, it it uh, it shows the universality of um, of His um, for usness um, would be the way I would put it. Um, and then uh, this third stanza, actually, um, I used one part of it for uh, the title of my Master of Divinity thesis 15 years ago. Um, Maker of all things, all thy creatures praise thee, um, though all things serve thee through thy own creation. Um, hear us, almighty, hear us as we raise thee, heart's adoration. Um, so, you know, this is, uh, this is one that, uh, 
my professor would kind of needle us with because it says all thy creatures praise thee. And uh, that might initially strike us as a, a little bit weird. Um, but I think it is a confession of the reality that if you are a creature of God, you will ultimately praise God in the end. And also, um, you know, it, 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 it's hinting at the idea that all things in creation, other than humans and angels, um, are in their own way, you know, praising God. When a bird chirps, it's chirping to God. Um, Luther liked to talk about that. He would say that, um, you know, uh, birds are better Christians than we are because um, the, the first thing that they do when they wake up in the morning is they, they sing a hymn of praise of God for his provision to them. And, and so I think that this, uh, this stanza in Father Most Holy is kind of, you know, capturing uh, that sort of idea. Um, and then uh, the last uh, stanza is just, it's kind of a standard uh, doxology. Um, uh, I'm trying to find, I don't have my, my, uh, my hymnal handy, but I'm trying to find a, a copy of this from my hymnal so that I can uh, um, give you the translation of this that I'm more familiar with, but I can't find it, so I'm just going to read the one that I have here. Um, to the Almighty, to the Almighty Triune God be glory, highest and greatest. Help thou our endeavor. We too would praise thee, uh, giving honor worthy now and forever. Um, obviously, I don't still remember it; otherwise, I'd just recite it. But. Uh, yeah, that's my hymn, uh, Father Most Holy. It's attributed to uh, Gregory the Great, um, who um, was involved in a lot of the initial compilation of the modern lectionary that, that we have, and um, composed a fair number of the collects. Um, you know, so pretty important figure um, in the liturgical life of the church, but also um, if he wrote this hymn also to the, you know, to that aspect of our, our life together. I was going to say, I wonder in uh, our Anglican collects and our prayer book collects, how many he's written, because I know outside of, I mean, I, I want to know what the percentage is, which ones came from the hand of Cramner. I don't know if James uh, knows more, has more uh, knowledge of this. Not much. I would say that a lot of a lot of them came from Cranmer, but a lot came from Gregory as well. Yeah. Well, and Cranmer translated Gregory. I mean, a lot right. of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I I just I just did find the translation I'm more familiar with. I'm just going to note a couple of phrases that are a little different. Um, in the second stanza, instead of deity perfect, giving and forgiving, it's goodness unbounded, which is another phrase that I love. Goodness unbounded, very God of heaven. And uh, instead of life of the forsaken, joy of those forsaken. Um, right. Which I, um, I think captures things very, very nicely. I was about uh, to ask, I wanted, I wanted yeah, to, for you to repeat that, that, that line about forsaken, but it looks like you, you found it. But, yeah. Light of the angels, joy of those forsaken, hope of all living. Um, yeah is that line well and I, and I couldn't help but think of like how god knows the forsaken life because uh by becoming incarnate in christ uh he goes through the ultimate forsakenness right um in his passion i don't know just a theological insight i had mm -hmm. uh into with you know into which how god relates to us forsaken um yeah and the the luther i think i remember that line about the birds but uh since you're our lutheran in here uh please tell me 
that he did not say there was a, a a meme like a viral meme with a quote allegedly from luther going around saying that i the gospel is everywhere i see the gospel in the trees and in the clouds and in the bees and all this stuff and it was shared a lot like a few years ago and like i remember a couple people like calling serious doubt on it uh but it seemed like uh not only a confusion of like you know natural revelation and biblical revelation but it was this like uh yeah it was totally something not luther would not say have you come across that charlie <laughs> i have never come across oh my that. god I'll, i will find um, it and not I'll, in uh, any form share it to you it's some it's um uh, yeah and um i think yeah it was never uh i may have read something some lutheran i think did write a response saying well it's highly doubtful you'd say this and there's no source for it type thing but if you know it's kind of like the internet's full of quotes that we can't you know really attribute to some <laughs> so, it's notorious saint francis is, is the most uh uh misattributed saint probably Nothing you see online from him is from him. Sorry to burst bubbles, but all right. Uh, James, let's uh, have you take it away with yours. Okay, so my hymn for this week is Ah, Holy Jesus. This hymn <clears throat> was written by a guy named Johann Hiermann. I'm sure I'm getting that one wrong. Um, and uh, the tune is Es Liebster Jesu. Again, probably getting the German wrong there. That's okay. But it's a beautiful hymn. We sing it in the Episcopal Church during Holy Week. It's most appropriate for that time. Um, and it's a kind of meditation on the cross. Um, the first verse, I mean, it's it's short enough. I'll I'll read through each each stanza, each verse. Ah, holy Jesus, how hast thou offended that man to judge thee hath and hate pretended? Thy foes derided, by thine own rejected, O most afflicted. Fairly self-explanatory. Second. Who was the guilty? Who brought this upon thee? Alas, my treason, Jesus hath undone thee. Twas I, Lord Jesus, I it was denied thee. I crucified thee. Of course, that is terribly important to our understanding of the cross, that we are to blame for the cross, that we are the ones who have sinned. And it was... Uh, it was as if we ourselves had hammered in the nails into Jesus's feet and hands. One of the most, one of the most beautiful moments that I've ever experienced in a sermon was where uh, a priest by the name of Frank Vandevelder, who has uh, fallen asleep in the Lord. He was in his 80s when he preached this sermon, and it was on the cross on Good Friday, and he finished it by quoting from Ah Holy Jesus, I was denied thee, I crucified thee, and in his mid-80s, wept in the pulpit. It was unbelievably beautiful and true. Um, and I, I mean, my first thought was, man, I want to have that kind of love for Jesus when I'm 80 years old. 
So it's a recognition of our fault um, in the death of Jesus. And I think that's important to be honest about. Lo, the good shepherd for the sheep is offered. The slave hath sinned and the son hath suffered. For our atonement, while we nothing heeded, God interceded. And that's, of course, the happy exchange, right? We're the ones who sinned, and Christ, the Son, is the one who suffered. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, right? It's almost a direct quotation from Romans 5. For me, kind Jesus, was thy incarnation, thy mortal sorrow, and thy life's oblation, thy death of anguish, and thy bitter passion for my salvation. Um, so not only was the cross and resurrection for us, but the entirety of Christ's incarnation was for us. And this is part of what I actually talked about on, on this past Sunday for the baptism of our Lord, um, was that Christ was born for us, baptized for us, died for us, rose again for us. Um, that's the, that's, the gospel is that Jesus Christ is for you, right? So, um, therefore, kind Jesus, since I cannot pay thee, I do adore thee and will ever pray thee. Think on thy pity and thy love unswerving, not my deserving. So, it finishes with recognizing our utter emptiness, depravity. Um, our inability to do anything to please God truly. This is Luther's last words that we are all beggars, right? And so because we cannot pay Christ, we cannot atone for what we have done, we cannot add to uh, what he has done. Uh, we desire to pray to him and to uh, to think on um, what he has done for us on his love unswerving, even in the midst of our undeserving. So um, this is one of those hymns where it's hard for me to, to, to not cry when I sing it. And there's very few hymns like that. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not the kind of person that cries very frequently, but um, it's so it's really just so true and so beautiful so there we have it you know when you were uh talking uh about um the complete inability for us to contribute anything to what he has already done um you know we say that a lot we say that on this podcast all of us here with you know who delve into luther and some of us calvin not everyone but we come across that that constant theme that pauline theme that of atonement and uh and justification and you know it almost like we, we and theoretically i think it theoretically we, we get it all the time but sometimes it just hits you um the other day for me uh it was, it was literally not long ago, maybe yesterday morning or the morning before. I was thinking, reflecting on some things. I, and what came to mind for me was like um, some thoughts I had and some things I said in my past and not so distant past um, that I like really regretted um, that were, you know, sinful. And, um, and it just dawned on me like I... I started to pray about it and then I could just realize I could just place it literally on Jesus' cross. Mm. Um and it realized how it, it something about that is I still I feel like I always, you know, whenever we feel the um when we feel the weight of the law, we there's a part of us, part of me at least speaking for me, that says, you know, uh God did mostly took care of that for me but I still have to uh, shape up in this way or that way. Right. But I realized it was like that, it, that again, yesterday morning, whatever, or the morning before, whenever that was, it was recent. 
It's like, wow, I can literally take this, put this completely on Jesus' cross and it's completely wiped away. And it's like, wow, like how, and how like good that made me feel, but how also like really how grateful that makes you feel, you know? And that's what, um, you know, the reformers emphasize a lot, the, the gratitude, right? Grace and gratitude are at the center of our yeah. life of faith, right? Grace and gratitude. Gratitude for the grace that, um, you know, was given to us. So, yeah, um, I know that hymn, James. I we, we did it a lot. Well, I'm the rector now where I serve. I can, we can do it whenever I want, right? <laughs> so um but in the last i don't know uh, my history in the episcopal church um it was done a lot by our musicians at the cathedral when i served there i remember that coming up a lot during the lent and probably during holy week but um you know i yeah i didn't mean to sound like arrogant when i made the rector comment but i will definitely take <laughs> take the prerogative of saying yeah we're going to sing that during holy week so um well, how many it, stanzas in the version that you read to us james uh four five 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 wow you guys are slumming <laughs> um i've been seen in 15 verses my entire life um it, it is a beautiful hymn and i i love it for all the reasons that that you guys already mentioned but uh but you're kind of missing out on the fullness of it by only doing five stanzas. Um, well, those German hymns have a lot of, uh, and I know like my impression is that when Lutherans translated them into English, they kept like all 15, 20 verses and um, we pared it down a little bit. And uh... Well, sometimes <laughs> yes, sometimes no. Um, I mean, most of the, most of the um, English translations of German hymns that we have these days um, are in one way or another derivative of the work that Catherine Winkworth did in the 19th century. I was about and to she say usually translated them all. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then some hymnals would do them all. Some hymnals would do some. Um, this is one where... Um, at least my tradition kept all. Damn. Yeah, uh, I was about to bring up, we brought up Catherine Winkworth on on one of these past hymn episodes because she translated one of the ones I did. But uh, yeah, she also, we had an Advent hymn series at Ascension when I was still serving there, you know, last month. And uh, Comfort, Comfort, You My People, uh, she was a trans. She just shows up all the time. And so it was an opportunity for me in, in my part of the hymn series to like, I did a whole thing on her for, you know, parishioners found her interesting. Um, yeah. One, one more comment about this hymn. Um, I think a healthy dose of singing this will cure self-righteousness. Um, yeah, for you know, sure. We, we all, was that? I was just saying for sure. <laughs> yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's very easy for... Um, for us all to feel like what you were saying earlier, Drew, um, that there's something that we need to add to what Jesus has done so that we can show just how thankful we are. Um, and that's often been uh, how people have interpreted what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about costly grace, that costly grace is grace that costs you personally quite a bit. Um, but uh, but in reality, our justification is the work of, of God alone in Christ for us by, by grace alone through faith alone. And there's really nothing that we can add to it because we have nothing to add. Um, I mean, what, is, what does Isaiah say in what is Isaiah 64, I think, that our, all our good deeds are but dirty rags? Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of a, a theme of all of these these hymns we've been we've been talking about. Mine as well. Um, just what God like, we're praising God for what He 
for what he has done for us that we could never do for ourselves. Like that's the thing that brings us back and, and, and breaks us over and over again, are the things that God did for us that we could in no way do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and that he chose to do them in spite of the cost to him. Right. Um, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, Stephen, do we want to move on to you? I feel like yeah, we're, moving really, always. we're moving really fast today. We must have all had a long day. <laughs> so I, I had I had uh, I had my wisdom teeth removed uh, oh, Friday. So, um, okay. uh, <laughs> so are are you on? Um, uh, well, the drugs they gave. I was like, I hope I, I hope it makes sense today. I don't know. I was saying I was about to ask, but they prescribed you the drugs they had me on when after I got my wisdom teeth are like illegal now. So uh, yeah. <laughs> It's, I think they did like a few. No, doc- I'm try- they did a few documentaries on Netflix about the drugs they had me on when I got my wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even know. Like literally, my wife's my wife's a doctor, so she just handed me. She said, "Here, take one of these." I said, "Okay." Uh, you, you have to great. You have great. to trust your wife. You can't be like, "What is this?" No, got to take it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, honey. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this though. I'm gonna Google it before I take. It. Yeah. Um, no, so my my hymn uh, is "Crown Him with Many Crowns," which is a, which is really, I mean, it's a beautiful hymn. Um, I think it's in everyone's hymnal, from what I can tell. Like it's it is all over the place, um, and it's I mean, it, there's it's obvious why it's very uplifting. It's very, uh, you know, each each stanza starts with uh, you know the the uh, imperative that we are to, to crown him, and then some title. So crown him with many crowns. Crown him with uh, crowns of gold, crowned him the son of God, crowned him the Lord of light, um, crowned him the Lord of life, crowned him the Lord of lords. Like there's all these different uh, imperatives and things they focus on uh, in each stanza. There's there's 12 stanzas. And let's go, but, Stephen, uh, let's go ahead and play it. Um, oh, yeah. Hello. Or uh, no, I love the hymn, too. And it, I, it is, indeed is in like <laughs> probably every hymn. No. We'll go ahead and play it. Yeah. I love that hymn. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. Beautiful. No, Steve, you're good. I, I I think you got your teeth pulled on Friday just so you could talk about crown him with many crowns. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even it's make connection. Uh, <laughs> that is a hymn me. that you can um, schedule on a Sunday after you've had people uh, complain about the hymns that you've been picking lately. And then they'll leave you alone for a while. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, uh, but this is this is what got me thinking about just the way you know we we praise God um, uh, for the not just who He is, you know, and what you know He is so far beyond us, but really what He has done for us, the things that He's He's done for us in our salvation and our lives and. Uh, you know, I'm reading through uh, the Old Testament, and there's there's this refrain over and over again of, you know, I am the Lord your God that brought you up out of the land of Egypt, right? Um, it's God's very personal when he when he comes to us and tells us who he is. He's not necessarily always. He's usually, you know, the God that does something for us, as opposed to I'm the God that created all this stuff in the heavens and everything else. It's usually um, I'm the God, and here's what I've done for you because He loves us. But uh, this. This song reminded me a lot of, uh, of Philippians 2, um, 5 through 11, which is that beautiful poem um, about, about what, you know, what Christ has done and how he came low um, before being exalted. And, and each, almost, almost every stanza of this song, there's both elements of that. There is the brought low and then there's the exalted. They all start with the exalted, but they explain why. And, 
Um, I think my favorite stanza of this is the is the eighth stanza of the song, which is uh, crown him the son of God before the worlds began. And ye who tread where he hath trod, crown him the son of man, who every grief hath known that wrings the human breast and takes and bears them for his own that all in him may rest. And I think that is just absolutely stunning for it because it talks, it, it's about sorrow. It's about the things that, um, you know, we, yes, we often think about our sin in what Christ took for us. And we often think about punishment that he took for us, but this is, this is, uh, this is so deep that even, even our hurts and our wounds um, he's taken for us as well. And he's borne them as well. And he's known them as well. Um, I just love that with, with every grief, Hath, uh, who every grief hath known that rings the human breast, everything we've been through that can be in our heart that squeezes it, that squeezes us from the inside and feels like it's uh, it's going to crush us. He's he's borne that for us and he's been there with us in that. Um, and this is somebody, uh, you know, Christ is 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 somebody who is the king, but he is he served us in that way that should humble us. Um, so much that he's not it's like he said in the upper room um, you know the one who is the the greatest among you should be the servant of all and the fact that he is our king and we are to crown him but um, he he has served us in this way of of taking even even our sorrows upon himself I just I think it's gorgeous for that reason and many other reasons obviously yeah I like how this him um Man, I love this one. It's a classic, and like Charlie said, it's a it's a greatest hit uh, for sure. Um, <laughs> but the how you like got delved into the the words um, and their connection to scripture, including like Philippians. I've always been um, yeah, well, I guess in the recent year, I've I've focused a lot on that theologically on the simultaneous uh, humbling and the simultaneous uh, and exaltation. Mm -hmm. right the lowering and the raising like it's always it's at once um mm -hmm. and and they're they're intrinsically connected to each other that speaks i think so much to the beauty of the paradox that is christian theology right um mm -hmm. i like the book of hebrews a lot for that reason um because um oh what's the line in hebrews uh becoming lower than the angels that he might be higher than i i'm butchering it mm -hmm. uh, one of y'all can feel free to correct me, but crowned with glory and honor. Yeah. Made a little lower than the angels and crowned with glory and honor. Right. Uh, How, uh, like, and it subverts, um, man's understanding of what, at least in like in the antiquity with the age Christianity came out of it subverted how man would, would see God, which is never, there's never that there's not that aspect of humility, right? Uh, God is always just exalted mm -hmm. and crowned. Um, mm -hmm but um the incarnation and the lowering of, of god into flesh um it was just you know it's the stumbling block right that i think mm -hmm. uh that even us and religious christians forget forget about uh a lot um you know the, i told i told someone the other day in light of the incarnation that like the incarnation if it's not true it's blasphemy you know, mm -hmm. to say that God would would come down and be man. Like, if it's not a true thing that God did, then it's the most outrageous thing that anyone's ever concocted. Right. Um, you know. Yeah, and um, I love that Philippi that Philippians uh, reading just showed up. Was it two Sundays ago, James? In our, uh, I it was the epistle reading, I believe, um, for the holy name for no, the epistle reading for the name was acts 10 uh, well, well it was the epistle for uh, us lutherans on uh, name and circumcision it was the epistle we had because on year a uh and the at least in the episcopal church version we we it, you, you can use philippians um and um and maybe oh, read the wrong I'm reading. Thinking, but. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Holy name. I I, I was thinking baptism. Of oh, you're about, that you're was thinking yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. Um, no. Yeah. Yesterday. Gosh, I lost track of time. <laughs> how, for all the gripes about the lectionary, uh, when it's good, it's good. It, it's uh, uh, 
you'll have those days where those readings will so um will so complement each other i mean right they all you know should they all do in some way but i mean the way that was arranged um the philippians hymn speaks beautifully and i think that philippians hymn i mean as scholars believe it very well could be the oldest thing uh in the new testament um Mm. and um I don't know. I just, as, as you know, maybe I digress a little bit, but I think how I think about how like the, a lot of the biblical scholar trends of the last 20 years have really uh, sought to correct what was the norm for so long of seeing a uh, high Christology as something very late. They would say, no, it was actually from the very beginning of Christian proclamation um, for our listeners, you know, um, we want to explore that larry hurtado comes to mind as as the big one rest in peace but um any larry hurtado fans in here me he's my favorite biblical scholar love him to death um if we ever do a biblical scholar series <laughs> so um my yeah. copy of lord jesus christ is signed by him oh really yeah, he's I, I, at symposia at Concordia Theological Seminary a couple of months after it was published. Um, yeah, he was a he was a great scholar. I don't have anything that cool. Um, uh, but I only have a couple ebooks by him, but, but yeah. <laughs> not signed. He signed my well, he's dead now, but uh, he could have signed my <laughs> book, uh, if he wanted to. Uh, so, um, st- any thoughts on Stephen's hymn before? Uh, we were really just cruising on through, but you know, it's, um, they've all, it's been good selections today. So, um, I will move on. I'll go to the next, I'll go to mine. Uh, my, I'll just go ahead and play it right away. It is, um, let me find it. Okay. Take my life and let it be. Charlie, is this in uh, Take My Life and Let It Be? Is that in the Lutheran hymnal? Because I heard it was. Yes, it is. Um, I think it's probably been in... I think it's probably been in all three of the hymnals I've used in my lifetime. Cool. Um, So I'll just... I'll share a little bit of my personal story. This is... Of all the hymns we did, you know, we would have done five by the end of the series. Of all the hymns we did, I have the most personal history with this one. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about the list I had. Yeah, this is, I definitely, I would say, have the most personal history with this one. Um, this is a hymn that was sung often at an Episcopal church I was a part of called Calvary, Calvary Memorial Episcopal Church which was in my hometown of Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, it's a church that closed and it closed in my time there. Uh, and it was sung a lot. There. It was sung maybe like, I uh, may not even be exaggerating, like twice a month. And it was the rector who was there. Uh, it was an inter- he was a rec- great preacher, had this beautiful prose, the way he would preach. Um, and he was like in his 80s. Then uh, This is in like the late 2000s very early 2010s uh and he was the rector of calvary don tepe was his name and um uh it was one of his favorite hymns and like it may explain why they played it so often but um it's a hymn that grew on me and uh, i'll just read some of the 
words uh, of it. Actually, I have my hymnal open right here. There's actually only two verses. Um, I didn't look to see if there's more stanzas in um, other hymnals, but there's two verses in the version we have in hymnal 82. Verses, first verses, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. And the second verse um, is this, take my voice and let me sing, always only for my king. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will, make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take myself and I will be ever only um, all for thee. Uh, a beautiful rhyming scheme in it. Um, there are, I just looked, there are actually six verses uh, in other versions and maybe seen in other hymnals. Uh, they only put those two in this one. I'll just read one more of, I'm looking at hymnary.org. Um, take, I'll just read the last one. Take my love, my Lord, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take thyself and I will be ever only all for thee, ever only all for thee. So I like that it's kind of that theme of exchange in this too. Uh, because in it's, it's the person, it's not like, I like it how it's not like it's not getting in problematic territory for me in the sense that it's not the the as we sing it we're not saying um I'm giving you my life lord it's more like take my life um at least there's some you know I'm a little more comfortable with that cuz it's more passive it's 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 the idea that Christ is doing it all um you know as I see it and um everything's an exchange because everything about us our hands our intellect, um, our love, all those things are so uh, imperfect, right? Um, we are, you know, we all carry our flaws. We all have ul ulterior motives in some sense. There's always mixed, you know, we're, we're always a mix of things. And but yet God takes those and uses them for himself and in doing so he consecrates that meaning he makes it holy um i think one of the great things luther and the reformers did was they restored what the biblical sense of what being a saint was which was uh to be made holy um not to um through your own work and progress become holier um it's uh as i heard sarah henlicky wilson say uh, salvate our holiness and sainthood for luther is not a moral category it's a soteriological category meaning it is a state that like as saint paul says you've been brought from colossians i don't remember the passage you've been brought out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom um uh through a, a force more powerful than you and 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 it was it's christ's work and um i like how this hymn it's a hymn of yet yeah, it's it reads in a sense of surrender surrendering all that you have and all that you are um but uh it's it's it's, it's to me it's a it's a surrender you can't help but do because christ is using um every part about you for his greater glory and um so it's just yeah it's a beautiful it's uh you know the tune is interesting uh the tune is is pretty uh howling side and the tune is by um john bacchus you look at john ba bacchus dykes uh who lived from 1823 to 1876 uh there's an interesting story about why the tune is called howling side uh this tune this is probably the most famous text this tune has been set to. The other text, what uh, I think it's uh, Jesu, Lover of My Soul, um, that this tune at Hollingside. And, and this tune, I guess, comes from when he was a canon, a canon of music at Durham Cathedral back in like the mid-19th century. 
um, I was able to pull this article up um, that, you know, if you have JSTOR, you get like 100 free reads a month. So you can go ahead and read it. It's from the Musical Times, but from issue from the Musical Times from 1904 uh, in October. I'll put the I'll put it in the show notes, the specific citation. But it talks about why, what the, what Howling Side, what that name comes from. It was the name of a, like a cottage that this guy like fell in love with that was like, I don't know the distance like uh, distance wise, but it, it took about, it was like a 30 minute walk as the article described from Durham Cathedral. And he like fell in love with this cottage and like within a year he occupied it, as I said, he, so he lived there. And it was like, a, it was a small but beautiful uh cottage let me like read the quote that um from the article um of how he it, it quotes him they found some letter where he he wrote to his sister saying i i found this cottage and i want to live there and he says um uh oh one of his this is from his, his sister described it all the externals of that sweet home have left left a most vivid impression on my mind the low one-storied cottage with its deep veranda covered with creepers, the undulating garden which surrounded it, the beauty of the woods around, and the walk to the cathedral to which we generally went twice a day, as well as the joy my brother felt um, there. So, um, yeah, that's what he named this tune after. And it, I guess, you know, he must have felt that must have been his place where he did so much prayer and reflecting and um you know to think that a tune that he composed during his time there inspired by that place is something that I would sing and now resonate resonates with me from a part in my life you know in the 21st century you know so it's just you know it's we see how the music you, you can connect and unite us um and music as passed down in the church from generation to generation can unite the faithful across space and time. Uh, so there's something, you know, very, you know, very powerful there for me. Um, the author of the text, I should say something about uh, her, Frances R. Havergill. I guess she was, um, she was, you know, lived in the 19th century as well. Um, similar to like Catherine Winkworth in a way, because like, she was like semi-educated, but like on her own studied. Catherine Winkworth knew German, but Francis learned like six different languages, including Greek and Hebrew, so she could like read the Bible in its original languages. And um was a big advocate for like service to the poor and education uh at the time. And um and but she uh she's one of those she had this those types that had this sudden conversion experience it was a very um a very you know where, where she went for her whole life um she she became very conscientious about her life in god um and uh that's a lot of that comes through in the text of this hymn because it's really just about god taking my life now it's no longer mine as the words say and um so but you know that was i like that a lot there's more about the story of of this hymn and her writing of it um on the hymnary which i encourage i imagine some of us have used hymnary throughout this series it's just a good on um, a website that just has so much info about all these hymns um but yeah it's just you know it's a favorite hymn of mine and um and yeah it's um so and we'll probably yeah we're, we'll we'll probably sing it uh at my installation february 1st I'm, so i'll be officially named rector at st michael's even though i'm serving there right obviously right now and um for and our listeners know of course that update in my life but i've been there two weeks now well not even and uh it's yeah parish ministry's going it's going well it's it's exciting it's i'm very excited about it so So yeah, um, that's awesome. I mean, I think the surrender, uh, the surrender aspect of that song, kind of like kind of ties off what we what we've been talking about. Because what is your response? You know, what is your response to all the good things that God has done and the things that He's done for us? Is 
just to let him <laughs> You're right. let him let him apply that let him do that let him you know i'm not going to to stand in there and try and uh and and, and get in the way god has got this you know right. uh it's a beautiful beautiful idea and that church calvary um i wish i would have done it this episode in my office at the actually left i went to the apartment i'm temporarily staying in um because i have the, the picture of, of calvary sanctuary in my office i've carried you know it was a when the church closed um we were all given this artist sketch of it of the that we you know we had it like enough for all the members that um the members who survived the church and um and i got it framed and i just have it hanging as a reminder of you know and that's where i first felt the call for ministry i um <clears throat> You know, they, I went there for two years and it was after my late teens, early twenties when I drifted out of going to church. Um, and you know, and I was like 20, about 21, I started going to church again, just because, um, I felt God or I felt something telling me that something's missing in my life. And, um, uh, something as there's a sense of community, it's not there. And, um, there you know you have a piece there's there's a hole in your life right now that needs to be filled and and i believe that was god telling me to get back in church um and that uh that church uh it's uh i went there for two years uh and they ended up they ended up closing um and that was a kind it wasn't they were actually kind of a healthy bible congregation it was just some kind of decisions several had within the church and diocesan structures um that'd be best for the congregation to join another one um but it was when when we had the as depressing as it sounds is the deconsecration service of the church <laughs> um ironically we're talking about a song saying consecrated i take my life and consecrate it and we deconsecrated the church i listened to that hymn so often that uh there was a moment in the service where we could um people could go up and, and say a few words about what their time at Calvary meant to them. And, uh, a couple of us went up, I went up and, um, I had a few things jotted down on a piece of paper, uh, just things I wanted to get that were on my heart. I wanted to get them, you know, to express them. And, um, I would, but when I got up to that mic, I saw people sitting in the pews. I just started like, I kind of froze up and I kind of choked up because it was very emotional. Right. And this is the end. Um, but, um, I, I said a, I could call it a prayer. I just, I, like, there was a quick kind of in my head, just a request to God. Okay. Let me just, let me get through this. Cause let me just say what I need to say. And, and as choked up and I guess nervous as I was, uh, I just felt a warmth come over me, um, which, and that I felt okay. And then, and it, I felt, uh, that it enabled me to just say what I, was on my heart. And so, um, you know, I, I, that was a real experience. I, I believe of feeling the Holy spirit and I didn't start speaking in tongues, no offense to, <laughs> but it was, a. but I was able to say just the things that, um, were on my heart about that church. Um, and so, um, you know, when I hear the, when I hear them, yeah, it's, it's, it harkens me back to those days in a way, but also not, I like the hymn in itself as well. And it's not just nostalgia. It's really not. It's, um, you know. So, yeah. Um, hmm. So we're all going to go to bed now. Uh, for <laughs> 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 uh, I know it's been uh, tomorrow. I have a yeah budget meeting tomorrow and some other things and all this fun stuff. I'm, you know but uh yeah i'm excited about it though parish ministry i know charlie's been in it for a while and james is in it and so you look like you definitely had got its ups and downs. what's that james <laughs> i said it's definitely got its ups and downs um <laughs> it's wonderful and beautiful and sometimes people drop something in your lap and it's yeah. like what am i supposed to say to that <laughs> yeah 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 right 
Um, well, uh, for our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you know, probably in the similar amount of time between this and the last hymns episode, we'll do our our last one. I guess it'll be our last one. Mm. Steve still owes us two hymns, though. You two, yeah. um, you can do it double time. I believe you can do it. And uh, we thank you all for listening. And uh, if you're a new time listener, please check out, of course, our other episodes. Um, we've been podcast for, uh, I guess I lost track uh, since very late 2020. And um, and I guess it's 2023. Wow, time flies. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And Steven's an OG. He's been there since the beginning. So I was going to say that the story you just told, you told in one of our very first episodes. Did I really? <laughs> throwback. Yeah. Throwback. Good. Man, I, yeah. yeah. Well, it gets, you know, uh, thanks for uh, indulging me again, Steve. I didn't realize, I forgot I told, I said that <laughs> story before. So. So. Now everybody should go back and, and listen for even even more fuller discussion of that. That's just a good one. That was yeah. in our uh, that was in that was in uh, you're in my first I think interview I think I like think second we, or third episode. One yeah we did like a couple episodes on like spiritualism yeah. in a way because it was like Pentecostalism. Yeah, Amy McPherson, you know, coming from, yes, which is kind of out from left field compared to what. We usually do here but um they were good episodes and i think there's some value and something to learn from from artists from uh from those topics that we discussed so um mm-hmm. you know but yeah well god bless y'all and uh thanks for tuning in listeners and uh we will i uh, look forward to having you tune in again god bless <laughs>